0: I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain.
1: Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Hertzog,
2: And I'm Jim Arrow. And
1: we're covering some Dune news and updates uh, that happened since the last update that we gave you. All in anticipation
3: for the 2020 Dune movie. Yeah, December 18th cannot come fast enough. I know, I'm pumped. Assuming that it doesn't get pushed back. And we're hoping not. We have plenty of time, I think. Right. So, I mean, the other thing that we talked about, I think, in the last show is that Probably in one of these episodes, we're going to reread Dune. Is that correct? Yeah, we should do that. So yeah. maybe like September and October, so like it's fresh in our mind. That when we watch a movie, we can totally tear it apart and nitpick bone for bone. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah,
1: I hear that. And I heard, this is only rumor, I heard Jim was going to come out for a live show and everything when the movie comes out.
3: Yeah, actually, that's, that's actually, just... what I heard at Penn Cinema, they were going to fly him in, and for like the inaugural show, they would Jim would do like a little lute concert about a half an hour before, right. um, and he would perform it on a cardboard cutout of a sandworm. It was gonna, it would, it's going to be lit. Totally <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> uh, yep, that's about right. Hundred percent true. <laughs> yep. <fact>. All
2: right. <laughs> Alright, all right. well, whatever. <laughs> just send me the plane ticket. I'll I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> I, I can just see Penn sending me a ticket. He won't even hire me to be a manager for a great theater that he could build right out here in the Midwest. <laughs> well,
1: I know. How dare he? <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, Alright, let's jump into the news here. Yeah. Jumping on the headlines, right? Yeah, why don't
3: you go? Why don't you go with the first one, David?
1: Sure. Uh, we got the a prequel book House of Atreides is being converted into a graphic novel, or actually a comic series. I'm sure that will be put into a trade paperback, and it's being done so. Um, it's being adapted by Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson, the authors of Dune House of Atreides, uh, which originally came out in 1999 um so I, this will be put out by boom studios so that's pretty exciting it's 12 issue adaptation um and I, I love that that brian and kevin are the ones heading it up uh we know it's in good hands um curious to see who the artist will be if it'll be anybody we know uh but that's very cool i'll definitely be reading that
3: and it's it's really not the only and, dune we're getting i mean house of trade is being published with Herbert Properties, but we also have a Dune. The book itself being put into three graphic novels beginning this fall as well, so there'll be a lot oh, wow. of Dune in graphic co- graphic novels and comic books this this fall. So,
1: I'm assuming that they will be using the visual cues of the movie in these graphic novel adaptations. That would be my assumption. It'd be really weird if they went like. I don't know, fully new original concept art. So,
2: yeah,
3: you would think they would.
2: So, do you, do we, do we know any of these artists? Uh, It says, with art by Raul Allen and Patricia Martin and covers by Bill Sankiewicz, I believe. Right. Who also illustrated the Marvel comic book adaptation of the 1984. Uh, David Lynch movie. Hmm.
3: I I'm not familiar so I, with him, but I thought that
2: I'm not into comic. No, books. me
3: neither. But one of the episodes we recorded, we did look at some concept art for I think the Dune book, right? I believe so. Yeah, so we did we did mm-hmm. see an idea of, like what the people would look like and a little bit about what they were. So yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a huge comic person, person either, Jim, but. Uh, I'm just uh, fascinated by this, and I think what that will do is we will bring Dune to a whole new audience. Because um, there's no doubt, like when you get into Dune now, Dune is very cerebral, uh, very heady, and to put it into a comic book, you're going to take some of that out. And, yeah, um, and that and that yeah. should make it a little bit more acceptable, uh, I guess, accessible for a book that's over 50 years old.
2: Yeah.
1: I think now's the perfect time for this too, because I mean, I, I, you know, as a comic fan, I think it, I've found that historically when comic adaptations of films come out, well, that's what I think most people will look at this as uh, like general audiences who aren't familiar with Frank's book uh, will be like, Oh, they made a movie and now here's a comic book about it. Maybe not realizing that it's also a novel. Um, In the past, it hasn't been received very well, but I think these days we have, like, Star Wars comics are really popular right now. Um, uh, You know, even Battlestar Galactica has some comics out there. So we have this bridging the gap between TV and film into comic books is a lot more widely accepted and higher quality than it used to be. So I think it's a good time for this. Yeah, Right. So, uh, David, you gonna pick it up? Uh, you know, I I will, I will. But here's the thing: I will wait for the trade paperbacks, probably. Um, it, I, I I don't I don't enjoy reading weeklies uh, or anything like that. I, I never have. They're just they're not financially worth it to me, or <laughs> uh, like they don't have a lot of payoff. There's just not a lot to it. So I'll wait for the the trade paperbacks. Now I'm not sure. It says that that dune will be put into graphic novel f- three graphic novels which means it'll come out in trade paperbacks and I'll, I'll buy all three of those right but um as far as the 12 series house of tradies so i'll probably wait till that that run is finished and then collect it into a book
3: yeah when they bind so. it all and all that that makes sense i think someone on facebook i forget who was mentioning that they were going to do the same thing
1: yeah thing? it's just it's I mean i don't know if you're not like a i've never been a, a weekly or monthly collector it's just There's so many ads and they're like five bucks a piece and they're flimsy. They don't hold up. You have to take the comics aren't worth things like, you know, they used to be worth something and they're just not worth anything anymore. So,
3: right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Jim, do you want to take this next one?
2: Well, yeah, I'll do my best. Uh, it says Denis Villeneuve spent a full year uh, working on the design of the sandworms for Doom, So we're going to get a new, a newly redesigned sandworm, uh, that hopefully won't look like a tennis shoe.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We know when, when Uh, when I
2: look back at the sandworms,
3: like, so, so kudos to him for spending a year designing a good sandworm, right? um, do you remember in the uh, the miniseries that we watched? I didn't think the sandworms were all that bad.
1: No, I mean they're probably the best part of the movie. Um, you know I don't really like Lynch's stuff,
3: but right.
1: I really like the I like <laughs> the sandworms in 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 the sci-fi.
3: Well, that's what that's what I'm saying. Series. The miniseries. Oh, yeah. The
1: miniseries. Yeah.
3: Yes. Yeah, I like them
1: in that. Yeah. I, I to me the important things with the sandworms is that they get like the the pulling back of the of the skin right you know that that detail is is captured and not just glossed over or something because that's such an important part of how they pilot them right you know and they are and, and,
3: and they are one of the things that make Arrakis unusual I mean they're the right. reason the spice is there and. They're, the Fremen use them as their meads of trans- transportation. I mean, Jim uses them to ride around playing the lute. So they need to be perfect. <laughs> I, you know, it'd be nice if
1: if when we look at them, those of us in the know would be able to be like, you know, that looks like something kind of that could have maybe come out of smaller sand trouts like flattened right. together or or something like that those like tiny details might be really cool but you never know this is like a big a big big production and and little details like that could still be found years later just just recently i was re-reviewing uh the lord of the rings for my other podcast and uh i discovered that gandalf hides his pipe in his staff through the whole movie and I never noticed that he's walking around. and It's got like a little holder for it. And I love those oh, movies. That's great. And, uh, yeah, it's like one of those little details. You know, I've seen them how many times? And then you know, this new, you know, you read about this new little thing, and now I can't watch it without seeing that, that tiny detail. <laughs> so,
3: yeah. Well, you know, I think you know, one of the quotes in this, in this article says that, you know, Denise said it was a year, it took a year of work to design to find the perfect shape that was prehistoric enough. So they want to make it look kind of ancient in some way. Um, And I didn't know this, but 1984, the Dune adaptation, the the sandworms were created by Carlo Rimbaldi, famous for creating the alien ET. Um, Mm -hmm. And it cost Lynch's production an extra 2 million. He largely relied on practical effect models and miniatures to pull off the sandworms whose mouths and bodies were operated by crew members. Um, But they were one of the weakest parts. So even though he spent that money, it
2: just didn't quite carry it off. I don't know. I guess I guess it did. It didn't bother me that much. Uh, as I said, I watched, I watched uh, the eighty four Dune before I read the book. Uh, yeah, there's some things in that eight nineteen eighty four movie that that I could have done without. But uh, I guess, I did guess the worms. I thought they weren't that bad. Um. What I referred to with the tennis shoe thing, though, was at the time uh, I was running, I was running the theater and box office magazine had um, awards. And that was one of the awards. Dune won the award for best imitation of a sandworm by a tennis shoe. (laughs) So. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh man. Okay. Uh you
1: should
2: tell you should tell Penn to see if he can find that edition. There's some other really funny ones in there.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I also see here this uh some info on uh Timothy Chalamet was saying that uh filming the movie has some of it's been absolutely brutal and unbearable. Huh. That they had to film out in the desert in their costumed still suits. In temperatures re- reaching sometimes up to 120 degrees, um, he said, of course, there was a cap out there. If it got too hot, he doesn't remember what the number was uh, of temperature. That, but otherwise, they kept working because they really wanted it to be grounded in that in that realistic heat and, and brutality of a desert, which, man, that is... Whew. That's hot. That's yeah, hot. that is something to... to to deal with,
3: didn't uh, didn't Star Wars film in Brutal Heat and Tatooine too? I remember hearing that
2: in Tunisia, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, well, anyways, so, um, but they weren't wearing still suits, they were not,
3: no, they were wearing metal C3PO suits, which is even better, <laughs> <laughs> but um. D- Denis, the director, compares this Dune, uh, Timothy, is it Chalamet, um, the dude story art to The Godfather. Wow. And so and what they mean by that, and it actually makes a little bit of sense here. Um, um, so this is Chalamet's first time leading a massive studio tentpole. But basically what they say is this, Paul's been raised in a very strict environment with a lot of training because he's the son of a duke. And one day, he's training to be the Duke, uh, Villanueva said. But as much as he's been prepared and trained for that role, is it really what he dreams to be? That's a contradiction of the character. It's like Michael uh, Corleone in The Godfather. It's someone it's, it's someone that has a very tragic fate, and he will become something he's not wishing to become. Uh, Villanueva is aiming for Dune to be a two-part movie, and he told Empire that Paul will become a man over the course of the first installment. And the director said survival depends on being able to make the right decisions and adapt to a different danger situations, and so he's looking for identity and um yeah, so what do you think of that? Hmm.
2: I think that that is uh if if you're looking at it at that level, I would say yeah, there's a lot of parallels,
3: yeah. So I've never watched The Godfather. I'm going to confess it.
1: Whoa. Says the guy who's only seen it once. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. i <laughs> only seen the uh, first I like,
2: one. <laughs> I like part two better. Okay. I hear it. But I hear it, too. No. I, yeah. I, 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 um, but I can... Go ahead. I can definitely see the parallels here. Michael Corleone was supposed to be... Um, he was he was supposed to be, the one legit person, in in the whole family. Uh, he went into the army. He was he was a hero. He was supposed to come back, run for Congress, and hopefully, uh, according to Vito, uh, the Godfather, he was probably eventually supposed to run for president. Well, that that kind of all changed around. When uh, uh certain things happened and and Vito went down and Michael stepped in and took over the family and started running things.
0: Hmm.
2: And uh he he just he and of course everybody around him died and he just went on and and ran the whole show. So it, you know, he didn't, he wasn't uh, allowed to become what he was supposed to become. And it would seem the same way for, for Paul, right. who was supposed to become a Duke and probably a big shot in the Landsrad, and who knows, who knows how far he could have gone. Right. But, uh, it wasn't his destiny. Hmm.
1: Yeah, and I I like how he's like Paul will become a a man over the course of the film first installment. <laughs> and he he neglected to mention Paul become a god <laughs> the over the, the the course of the second film, basically. Yeah, uh, I <laughs> mean that's like the famous uh, comparison there of right. boy to, to to man to god type of thing. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny, but uh, so yeah, Dune is due out in theaters December eighteenth pending any COVID-19, uh, delays of which at this point there are none that I am currently aware of. Yeah. Um, I think principal photography had finished. Yes. I could be wrong by the, no, t- it, by it the time this all struck. Yeah. Which is, I think if that had not been done, there would have been a definite delay, but, uh, it's a yeah. lot more feasible to have people do special effects and stuff, post-production stuff at home than it is, uh,
3: or if they come in, you know, you know they could work in, they, they could be separated in such a way that they could maybe do that. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we mentioned earlier on that we will be reading Dune sometime in the future, but if you want to read it now, it looks like TNT book club selection for June is Dune. Um, So it, uh, it narrowly edged out the library book by Susan Orlean on online voting. And, um, so if you're looking for a book, you can go uh, check out their Facebook group and uh, see if you can uh, join the TNT Book Club is what that is. Uh, Very and, cool. And then the other thing, we uh, we were debating this before. We might have mentioned this in the podcast before, but they have a book called Goodnight, Dune. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you said you had read it before, David?
1: I th- I think I'm pretty sure I have people have sent me a lot this a lot over the years, and it's the same as um it's the story of Good Night Moon read but like adapted to be Good Night Dune, um which is if I remember it just has a lot of references in it. Yes. I, 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 so if it, like yeah. you
3: are a true Dune person, you'll get it. So if you're not, yeah. well, maybe not everything will make quite sense. But it's pr- if I remember
1: correctly, it's not really for. It's not an introductor- introductory to Dune for right. children. Right. It's more like, I'm a Dune fan, and I find this
3: cute. You right. Know, exactly. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Well, what I might do is I might just play it here, because they have a YouTube video. It's about two minutes long. It's not long at all. Um, I'll play it here, and then uh, we'll just continue with the show. But just to give you a taste of it, maybe at least. So,
0: Cool. Good night, Dune, by Julia Yu. In the great No-Room there was a floating barren, and a view of two moons, and a picture of Shai-Hulud bursting out of the dune, and there were three Fadaikin recruits fighting in still suits, and two imperial Sardaukar, and a pair of Gamjabar, and a little toy keep, and a young wadib, and maker-hooks, and a chris knife and a bowl full of the water of life and a Bene Gesserit witch, whispering, they tried, and died. Good night, no room. Good night, two moons. Good night, shy Hulud, bursting out of the dune. Good night, glow globe, and floating barren. Good night, recruits. Good night, still suits. Good night, sadhikar. And good night, Gamjabar. Good night, Suck Doctor. And good night, Ornithopter. Good night, Little Keep. Good night, Muad'Dib. Good night, Maker Hooks. And good night, Chris Knife. Good night, Golden Path. Good night, Water of Life. And good night to the Bene Gesserit, whispering, they tried and died. Good night, Arrakis. Good night, C.H. Taber. Good night, spice flows everywhere. The end.
3: All right, well, why don't we move into some listener feedback here? We're going to give you feedback. This is a. Uh uh, Eric, who left a message on our website, and then we're going to uh then share some iTunes reviews some good, some bad, some ugly, and we're going to talk about them. So, uh, Jim, why don't you take <laughs> it away? Talk again. We have this uh, nice little message from Eric here.
2: All right, it says from Eric, Big Bump here. I'm one of those who stopped after God Emperor of Dune. Looking back, I feel there were three factors for this. First, while Dune is the greatest science fiction novel, Dune Messiah, then Children of Dune, were good, but not as good, showing a decline through uh, the three books. God Emperor was another step down, so I wanted to stop before it went off the cliff. Second, God Emperor was sillier, if you will. It tried to be even more mystical or fantastical. I am not a big fan of science fantasy, and it felt like it was going to go down that road. Third, I really liked the character of Paul. Setting him up as the most powerful being in history and space, then chucking him felt like either an oops or a bait-and-switch. Losing Paul was equivalent to losing interest. I understand that Herbert didn't intend to write the Paul Atreides saga but he is still the most interesting character. Most of the rest felt a bit too flat. In the past couple of years, though, I have uh, gotten into the prequel books. Not as great as the novels on their own, but interesting for understanding the background of Dune. All hmm.
3: right.
1: What do you guys think? Well, the big thing here is he openly admits he's not a fan of, like, uh... The fantasy side of science fiction, right. uh, which I think would make it very difficult to to enjoy this series in the long run. Um, so much of it goes down that road. Uh, unfortunately, it sounds like maybe that turned him off from seeing some of the things that I love about God Emperor. And I know we've talked in extents of how how much I love God Emperor and its its uh, a views on like uh, geopolitical things and and um, you know how the, how a government can use religion and drugs as a tool and et cetera, et cetera. So I think maybe that kind of steered him away from that side of things. So unfortunately uh, I feel like he may have missed out a little bit, but it's nice to know that he's found the prequel books and that he's enjoying them, which is something that we don't hear very often. Uh, from, especially from not Dune if you were fans.
3: a fan of, especially not if you're a fan of Dune, you don't enjoy the prequel books. but Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it makes me wonder that, So, um, and, and, and to be fair, the prequel books are, are less fantasy.
1: Oh, yeah. They're, yes. definitely,
3: they're definitely built more around sciencey. Um, but it's unfortunate because when you get to the final books, you end up, the stuff that came out in the prequels end up making sense.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny, though, because you say that, but at the same time, like, it's a different type of fantasy. I think maybe he doesn't like biological fantasy. Because that's in God Emperor, it's a lot of like sandworms and and mutating and all that stuff, and like becoming the best human possible. But in like the Butlerian Jihad, it's cyborgs and right. you know brains and jars and and that kind of thing. So it's a mechanical fantasy world. Um, so maybe that's kind of what he's getting at.
3: Yeah, maybe, maybe. He said brains and yeah, jars. I'm not I just sure. think of just think of um oh what is it um. Which is the one with the robot bender. With the what? With the robot bender, uh, the, the cartoon. Oh, Futurama. Yeah. You know, their heads in jars is what I think of. Yeah. But.
2: Yeah. But. Huh. What
3: were you going to say, Jim?
2: Um, I, w- I was going to say, you know, when, when I hear fantasy, I think of dragons and magic and so forth and so on. And if you consider the worms to be dragons of sorts and what people can do with their minds, which is quite magical. Um, yeah, I can see that throughout all of this, all of Dune, there is a sense of fantasy in there and I'm not a fantasy fan per se, uh thanks to you guys and the other show that would be the orbital sword unshamed plug there yeah. um i'm becoming more so um but um yeah i, I don't i didn't find it offending at right. all though right well i mean it it, it, uh, it you know science fiction and fantasy kind of have a thin line between them anyway um you know as We've discussed numerous times before you take Star Trek and Star Wars and there's a lot of people that come down on one side or the other with either. Right. And and uh they'll say, Okay, Star Wars is fantasy and they won't accept any other answer, but uh I don't know. It there's plenty of science fiction in Star Wars. Right. So Right. There it yeah. is.
3: You know, the other thing that he says is, so while Dune was the greatest science fiction novel, Dune Messiah, then Children of Dune were good, but not as good, showing a decline. Uh, I remember us talking about how we were talking with Brian Herbert, and he said, uh, didn't he say that that nothing ever measured up to Dune uh, for his father? And so, you know, anything that Frank wrote after it was never as good as Dune for a lot of people. And it's sad because you know um, it doesn't make the other books any less good. D- Dune almost becomes like the benchmark, you know.
2: But yeah.
3: yeah.
2: However, you know, and I and, and I know David doesn't count in this because he he's part of the younger generation. But um, if you were to take a copy of Dune. And hand it to say someone that's maybe twenty three, twenty four, twenty five years old, and told them to read this. Do you think they would actually finish it?
3: I had depends a, on the person. I had a student who was in my science fiction literature course at school who picked up Dude and couldn't make it through it. It's just it is a it's a very cerebral book and it's and it's tough. It is a tough book. So. We, say, we we all say Dune is a great book. But what makes a book great? If it becomes inaccessible to uh, the current generation, has it lost its greatness in some way? Or its relevancy? I don't know.
2: <laughs> I think I my personal opinion is for the style of writing at the time that Dune was written, uh, things have moved on since then. And now we have we crave, younger people crave constant action. Yeah. It's got to be boom, 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 something happening all the time or six different things all happening at the same time. And I honestly, I don't think that a young person can get through it, which I got to really hand it to David for being the young person he is and reading it more than once and actually getting something out of it. Yeah, I think that... You're like, about, you're like about 22 or something like that, aren't thir- you, Daniel?
1: 13. Uh, 13. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that's right. <No. laughs> that's quite the beard for a 13-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Year old. yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: well, my first read-through, I discovered the book when I was 17 or 18. And it was all I read for a year and a half was the... Or maybe even less. Well, it's got to be less than that because I just burned through it. And I remember going to like... I was still in high school. I went to teachers, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, this book Dune!" And like every one of them was like, "Oh, I know of Dune. I've never read it." But yeah. I had no one to talk to about it because none of my peers had ever read, and and most of my friends that I still have from you know that time of my life have not read Dune. Um, you know, big shout out to to Roland who uh, who dived in and, and read along with us, and then of course Andrew okay. and uh, Laura who are in my age bracket, mm-hmm. but. Um, prior to that, there was not very many people of my age that I had to talk to about it. Um, or if I did talk to them about it, they would just kind of like, oh yeah, I read that. And it was kind of almost like, there's nothing you could possibly talk to me about this book that uh, I don't know, like kind of this air of superiority. So,
2: mm. well, you know, I, I honestly think that, um, you, you have to have a lot of patience to read it. And you have to pay attention. Right. Yeah. It's not a casual read. No, no. Yeah. I, I, and I don't, I don't think attention spans now are enough. We live in a sound bite world.
1: <laughs> I don't think that's limited just to uh, the younger crew though, because for those who listen to the Penn Center podcast, I've been trying to get, get Penn to read for over a year. He has a copy of of the book of mine. And I think he's read the Almost first
2: two years chapter. I think you've been trying to get him to read this. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yep. And it's just like he cannot sit down and do it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why that's why you get an audiobook and then you put it in as you're driving.
1: Oh, the only that's the only reason he's read any of it is because of the audiobook and it's only the first chapter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. right, yeah. uh, let's move on. we have uh it's been a long time since we checked our iTunes reviews. So Going into these reviews, I want to just kind of make a broad statement here for anyone who might be catching this um, and, and might not be familiar with our show, and, or, or maybe familiar with the way that we may react to some of these. We like all reviews, good and bad, and we like to discuss them. And if if we don't think that they're if they're if they're if they're bad, like we might pull them apart a little bit. But you know, whatever. That's all right. As uh, people getting reviewed, as well as those have people have the right to say these things about us, but. It's obvious in some of these reviews that we are going to read that people may not have been familiar with our show from the beginning, and they might be more familiar with us. Uh, Maybe they picked it up randomly. So just to reiterate, the Dune Saga podcast was created as a means for us to read the books chronologically and talk about them in chronological order. Uh, You can pick an episode and listen to just one of the books if you want, but if you sit down and pick up our episode just for Dune, you are substantially missing out on a lot of like inside conversation that has led up. I mean, Dune was like number what eleven? Yeah, it or was something ten down the pipe. Ten.
0: Yeah, we had been doing know. it
1: for like a good year before we reviewed Dune. That's right, and, and just because mm-hmm. of all the prequel books and the movies and and other yeah. and other types of things, we took in before reading it. So when we talk about Dune, we, we might talk about things that aren't in the book or things that like. We know from other sources that we've we've been talking about along the way. And some of the complaints in, in a couple of the things here kind of go on to that. Or like, we might have talked about these things earlier on. If you just listen to one episode and you don't listen in order, you're definitely missing out. Um, although you don't have to, like I said, you don't have to listen to an in order. Just, just be aware that that is kind of uh, how we are. And that our right. show, although now we're just re- reporting on news, it's because we ran out of out of material and that's kind of why it's kind of sparse and 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 far between um just you know we weren't meant to be a dune news show we were meant to be a a review specifically in chronological order of the books and and we loved it and we continue to love it and that's why we keep doing this and
3: and uh
1: we're grateful for everyone who keeps coming back
3: Mm -hmm. so anyway and that Going being said, forward. you know, we do have, I did thought of it. Not only do we have Dune to read, but we'll have a Dune comic book that we could read and talk about House of Traders comic book. So we'll, we'll get back into some of the literature eventually. It's just uh, right now, the thing that, in fact, this Dune was on a hiatus for about two years. We didn't do any Dune, right? Yeah. Something like Yeah.
1: Well, when Jim comes out for the premiere, that's right. We'll play the play board game too, and that's we'll right. videotape that. Right, And then we'll have the board game. We can put that up. Everyone can see us play the board game. We can review that. Right. And that's a big thing. So anyway. Yeah. All right. So moving on, I got five reviews here. Uh, The first one's from Gal Dornick, and it's two-star review. These are all from iTunes that we haven't checked in a while. Uh, It says, we don't know much about history. Hard to take a Dune podcast seriously that finds no historical examples of the Dune universe's political structure. Hello, Holy Roman Empire, anyone. And they need to check that Parsha is, is Farsi and has no idea why it's an orange Catholic Bible. Don't they realize that Herber mix religious sects, Zen Sunni as Fremen prognitors, and here, Protestant and Catholic? Just wow. Basic historical knowledge independent of Dune, guys. I hope you're not school teachers. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Whoa. Uh, so they definitely didn't listen to other things, <laughs> or they would know. <laughs> yeah, probably just listen to Both one episode. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, mm. this is one of those things. Getting back to like, I'm sure we probably talked about the Orange Catholic Bible and maybe even the Holy Roman Empire and the Fatishah and em, Pashah Emperor. I mean, I can't guarantee that we talked about all those stuff, but like if we would have addressed it we probably addressed it when it originally
3: kind of came up and not in the dune review that would be my guess you know the yeah. other thing that the other thing that's a part of that is we are we we came to this as readers and for many of us like i hadn't read i hadn't read dune in a while so I I really enjoyed Dune, but what I really enjoyed is when we got listener feedback on it, and we would just dialogue about other things that other people were picking up and seeing. It was very much of a conversation for me at the time, and so like for me, like uh, I didn't claim to be the expert on the Orange Catholic Bible or on how you know I wasn't analyzing how Dune paralleled the Holy Roman Empire. I was coming as a reader and enjoying the story of it. As well as picking up stuff that stuck stuck out to us along the way, right? Right. So I think there's also now, that. But.
1: There's the aspect of this person they gave they did give us a two star review, so it weren't the worst thing they've ever listened to. But uh if they were really that upset about it, it could have been done they could have written us an email right. and kind of educated if they if they felt that we didn't know, they could have educated us in this in the ways <laughs> of uh ancient knowledge. <laughs> filled in the blanks. But uh, you know. And that's we had their pe- point of we, view.
3: Yeah, we had people that did that. And now and they were very uh very nice about it, most of them
1: Yeah. So that's, that's okay. Cool. Two car two star review. It can't all be gold, but uh yeah. you at, have least any they, thoughts at least this they gave one? us they gave us a chance.
2: Yeah, I guess. You know, uh as as you guys both said, this sounds like someone who's who's listened to one episode and decided it was not worth listening to anymore. Um, I do know that we talked about the Orange Cast Catholic Bible. I do distinctly remember that because I think I brought up the question of what that was about. Um, also, what was the other one? Not not the Holy Roman Empire, but um, what was the other point he made? Oh, Padishah, the Padishah Emperor. I also remember wondering what that was about and we did discuss that also. Uh as far as making parallels to the Holy Roman Empire, I don't think we hit on that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go over to Scott's camp here and say, you know, we were we're we were doing a book review program where we were talking about stories, things that we enjoyed, themes that we picked out of it, and characters and their behaviors And um, I don't think it is really necessary for us to have any kind of historical perspective. Uh, Just, you know, talk about the book. And that's what the whole thing's about. So, sorry you feel slighted, sir. But, um... (laughs) All
1: right. Well, move on, David. So, the next one's from Porky Porky Bean Rules. They gave us a five-star review. Love all things Dune. Love the podcast, love to hear everyone's opinion on my favorite literary universe. This is the first ever podcast I've subscribed to and listened to, and I love it. Keep up the good work, and thanks for spreading the love of Dune to the world. Porky Bean, you are very welcome. Uh, yeah. Thanks for coming along. I hope that you went back and listened to something, some of the other reviews, and, and uh, if you're still listening now, this was about a year ago that he put that there, um, I hope you're still enjoying what we're putting up. There are, we did discover there are some new Dune sh- stuff coming out podcast-wise. I think when we started, we were the only ones, um, uh, or at least the only ones that were continuing uh, putting out regular content. Um, but I'm sure if we're not satisfying your needs, there is probably a new podcast out there just getting started for you to get on board with. So, yeah. all right. The next review comes from Ralphie's shit Oh, No. <laughs> was go. a one-star review. Joy. <laughs> With a name like that, it sounds like they only have an account in order to leave bad reviews. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, All right. <laughs> yeah. The title of this one is Spoilers. Why not edit out your spoilers when you bring up parts of a book you're not even talking about?
3: That sucked.
1: I don't know what this is in reference to.
3: Wait, wait, wait. How old is Dune?
2: Fifty years, sixty years, if if it's uh, like forty forty six years, uh, it was first in nineteen sixty five. Okay, all right. So we're talking fifty four years,
3: right? I mean, so come on, I mean, spoilers? Seriously? Even if it's the new books, we weren't like there were only a few books we read like within months after they came out. Almost all of them. We're like out for years. If you didn't read it, and we we made oh, I think Ralph, and we made we made it very clear that we we're we're
2: doing a book review, and there's going to be spoilers. I think Ralphie's upset because he's like 12 years old and he's never read it. <laughs> right, right. Don't I've spoil it ju- for don't spoil by, a book judging, I'm
3: never going to read.
2: Judging by his grammar, he probably doesn't do well in English
1: last <laughs> Ouch. Don't put Ouch, it on my guys. English class. I, I, I wonder if this is more like they came thinking that you know, this day and age reviews on like YouTube and stuff, people will do reviews for someone who has not seen or read a book.
3: Right. And a it's, like for your a,
1: yeah, it's like a sales pitch. And I can understand that if that's what you're used to and we came in and we don't always talk. And we're like, in our reviews, we don't always talk. We tried to, but we didn't always talk specific orders of things or we'd cover characters and in doing so we talk about you know the climax of the book or something so from that stance i can see that but when you're part of a book club when you when you join a conversation of a book club i mean this isn't necessarily a review show as much as a book club show it's assumed that you're familiar with the material in which case you can talk about that kind of stuff so if you came looking for a review, strictly in strictest sense of the book, and not a discussion on the book, then I could understand how you'd be upset by spoilers. But I also feel like maybe you could have figured that out pretty quick. That what we were, you know, within the first couple of minutes and, and the format of the show. But uh, at least he gave us a listen, you know. Right. Our review, some reviews are better than other reviews, so at
2: least we right. least he gave us, well, he gave us. us a listen. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: all we can really ask is give us a chance. So, you know, and that's why we, review, we read these these bad reviews too. It's because you know all reviews are valid. Uh, you know, even if they don't agree with them, like props for listening, props for putting down some notes. Maybe we'll learn something. Maybe we'll make fun of you. You never know. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. So this one comes from Brooke House Heron. One star review, no expertise here. If you're going to talk about a book or any or about anything really, you should read it first. To be hosting a podcast to discuss the Dune series and admit it, and admit you haven't read the book in a very long time is insulting to your listeners. Uh, I, maybe this person this was a, this is a very what this is a very current review. This was left this year, so I'm wondering if this person just caught our updates. And as a result, because I know that our updates, we've been like, oh, it's been a while since we read the book, but right, you know, when we were when we were actively re- discussing the books, I mean, we were fresh off. Uh, especially yeah. you know, there were there were nights where I pulled all nighters to finish the book and come oh, in we know. <laughs> and talk about it. So I mean, I, <laughs> you know, like it was sometimes
3: very freshly read. Um, so. The only book that I didn't read was the Doom, the uh, National Lampoon's Doom one. Oh, I yeah. Think. I read mm. like the first part of it and I'm like, this is stupid. I want to read it. No. I
2: wish I hadn't. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. It was yeah. so bad.
3: <laughs> right, right. So that's like the only, but that's like when we talk about, when we're talking about serious Dune books. You know, we read all of them. I don't know. What, I don't know what he was thinking. Like we, curr- we aren't currently in the last four or five podcasts have been all movie related, but.
2: I really let me tell you the way it works for me. If I buy it, I'm going to read it. (laughs) And I bought every damn one of them.
1: (laughs) No, I I really do feel that this is someone who caught our updates because that was soon after we were doing updates. And going from that, I can understand like uh, we finished our run through a couple years ago. So uh, while we're talking Hmm. now about rereading Dune. it has been some time. I mean, a couple of, two, two years or so is, is a decent amount of time to have gone since the last time. I we...
2: think we've been, a, I think we read Dune a lot farther back than yeah. that.
1: No, you're, you know, you're right because then, then we had so many books to read after Dune.
2: <laughs> so,
1: yes, but it's been about two years since we stopped actively discussing the series. Um, but then we can end here on a high note, uh, also from this year. Uh, holy khakis left us a five-star review finally a podcast with melange they haven't (laughs) been (laughs) there haven't been dune podcasts so when i found this one i knew i had to at least give it a try i don't know anyone else who likes dune so there's no one around to bounce ideas off of discussion about about i'm sorry there was no one else to bounce ideas off of or discuss the dune universe I was not disappointed by the podcast. These three guys have just finished reading the book before doing the the podcast, and since they are now covering one book a month, there's plenty of time to catch up with them. If you like Dune, you should definitely give this podcast a try. You guys crack me up. Glad to see you're back. <laughs> hey, thanks so much, Holy Khakis, for, yeah, thank for coming you. back in. This is definitely someone who's been listening and, and came back when we started doing
3: our updates, so that's super awesome. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know, in... And like you said, David, I mean, you didn't have a lot of people to talk about the book, and I think there's a niche audience that still gets into Dune, and it brings out the community, so to say.
1: Right. Yeah. So that's, you know, thanks for uh, everyone who left a review, even the bad ones. Uh, yeah. But it, it's it, it, it's fun to look back on that. I mean, it's been a long time since... Uh,
2: Don't say that. We took it. At, oh, yeah. Whoa. We've already been... We've already had the crap kicked out of us for that one. Oh,
1: my goodness. Yeah. You're so right. I didn't realize. (laughs) Yeah. well. So anyway, um, yeah, yeah, that that kind of brings us up to date there.
3: Yeah. So, you know, again, you know, we were doing this, you know, about every other month. We're kind of putting on a show, kind of giving you the latest news and our thoughts about the latest news and up, up and coming as we get closer to the release of the comic books and the... We'll probably end the movie. We'll probably reread Dune again. Um, probably won't go back and reread the entire series again, um, but because uh, that would be a huge endeavor. Uh, but the reality is, we've the reason we aren't reading Dune recently is we've been in the Orbital Sword that we are all a part of. When we finished doing the Dune books, we enjoyed each other's company so much that we said, "Let's do another show." Um and let's do science fiction and let's do fantasy kind of hit both worlds and and we've gotten into some series that we've done along the way and uh but then we've done some one-offs as well and it's been an enjoyable enjoyable ride there. So if you enjoy our discussion and our talking and you enjoy hanging out with us, we'd love to have you join us in the World of Sword. We realize that some people just joined us because they liked Dune. So if you just like Dune, then stick with the Dune Saga podcast. We'd love to have you come listen to us in the Orbital Sword, too. Yeah.
1: Uh, so also, if you want to find us doing our, our more regular shows uh, outside of the Orbital Sword, which is about monthly, bi-monthly, um, we each also have our own podcast that we do. Uh, Jim, why don't you go out and tell us about what you've got going on?
2: Well, I have two other projects right now. Uh, one of them is... Uh, we're looking at all of Babylon all of the Babylon 5 universe on the Babylon Project podcast. We've been doing that one for six years now and um, we, we started out with uh, the pilot and we've we're going on and on and on and we're getting ready to move into the novels now. Ooh. So and there's uh, about 19 of those. So we're gonna we're gonna be around for a while. And another project I am involved with is a book review podcast for CAG. That's the Klingon Assault Group at CAG.org slash podcast. It is called Bound by Honor, where a good friend of mine and I, we get together once a month and we look at Klingon culture through the uh through Star Trek novels that are heavily involved with klingons. Good. So that's a that that one's a lot of fun. Oh and we we do it in English so it's easy to understand. <laughs> good,
1: good. <laughs> yeah. Scott, how about you? Where, where can people find you doing crazy and wild things?
2: Well, uh, the oral sword
3: obviously and the Dune Saga podcast. Uh The Sci-Fi Diner is the longest running podcast I've been a part of. We're uh 11 and a half years and still running. Um also, uh, and that just does mostly general science fiction. We release interviews, and one of the recent things we've been doing is going through all the Star Trek pilots and uh, bringing on various people that have been involved with Star Trek to kind of talk about that. Um, and uh, we do interviews with authors, with uh, uh, people that are in the science fiction shows and and all sorts of stuff. And uh, sometimes we do a little bit of news commentary, uh, but some of my favorite shows are kind of doing what what we did with the Dune Saga podcast, instead of reading, we're just, we're watching a show and we're just talking about what we liked about it what stuck out to us and what really, uh, you know, made it work for us. And we're looking at the pilots because we say, you know, the pilot many time sets up the tone for the show. Sometimes it hints how the show's going to go. Sometimes it gets much better. Sometimes uh, the pilot's great and it kind of peters out after a while, you know, so we look at all sorts of things with that. And then I'm also a part of a podcast called the beyond the game podcast, A little bit hiatus because we were running that as a part of school. And since we no longer are meeting in schools, uh, it's an esports pro- uh podcast and that's been on hiatus since March, uh, because of, well, <laughs> because of COVID-19. So that's just kind of, uh, that's kind of it. So there's, uh, I don't know if we're going to bring that back. Uh, maybe, uh, next, uh, Maybe this summer we might do, when things settle down a little bit, we might bring that back a little bit. But that's kind of, those are the podcasts I'm involved with.
1: Very cool. Uh, And uh, I have a movie podcast that I do with the owner of a Eastern Seaboard um, movie theater chain called Penn Cinema. Uh, It's the Penn Cinema podcast. And right now there aren't any movies currently playing. However, that has not left us without things to talk about. Every week we surprise ourselves with uh movie news to talk about, random, uh old older movie reviews, uh, as well as listener feedback, comments, and oddly enough, relationship advice? Huh? what? Anyway, uh at dot com if you want to learn more about that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And as always, you can yeah, you can find us and as, you know you can find all of Shenadig on Facebook and you can tune into the Dune Saga podcast. Are the older sword or follow us individually um we're 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 quite open on Facebook and I know I don't get uh too political in my posts that drives me nuts sometimes but
2: uh, <laughs> that's right that's but, right
3: uh my intent to be a little bit more humorous and try to be a little bit more uplifting in this current climate that we're in thank you know.
2: yeah thanks yeah. i gotta I gotta hand that to you you've done very yeah, well I
3: just it's never been my forte to kind of do that you know there's enough negativity in the world without uh, promoting and i'm not i realize that we need to be paying attention to these issues i'm not trying to downplay them but i I get bogged down when i see people that are constantly you know griping about the president and i'm not you know i'm not saying one way or the other but you know i get tired of hearing that stuff so
2: and um yes absolutely it's facebook is supposed to be a place to go to have fun yeah
3: that's for me at least
2: And lately, with the exception of you, Scott, it has not been very fun.
3: Well, yeah, we try. All right, well, and so you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter, you can email us at Podcast at gmail.com and leave messages, or you can comment on our uh, WordPress site, and we'll uh, we'll obviously share them on the air like we've been doing. Anything else, David, that we're missing?
1: Uh, Thanks to those who have supported us over the years through Patreon. Very much appreciated. Um, And yeah, so I think that about takes us to the end. So once again, for the Dune Soccer Podcast, I'm David Moulton.
3: I'm Scott Herzog.
2: And I'm Jim Arrowood. And may Shai Hulud clear the path before you.